Welcome to the Director's Commentary Podcast for Heart, The City Beneath. I'm Grant Howitt, and I'm joined by Christopher Taylor, and we wrote the Heart RPG. In these episodes, we'll be going through the text of the book and discussing how we came to design the game. For more information on Heart and our other titles, go to rrdgames.com. So we did something slightly different with Heart. Welcome to the rules and detail section, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, Spire, Spire, we put all the rules up first, basically. I seem to remember everything went first, and then we put Sorry. the um, then we put the character classes in because we have very few rules, and we had a few more rules in here. Uh, there are a few more systems in Heart, so we decided to have a very brief set, uh, introduction to the rules at the start for players, and then for GMs, there's a bit after. The, uh, the classes for uh, which which talk talks more in depth. I think what I'd like to do is talk. Considering how niche the appeal of this podcast is, I would like to talk about how this differs from Spire, rather than talking about the system itself. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that's worth flagging here, though, is that if you are a GM running this for your players, they can get everything they need by reading how to play and mm. the characters. Yeah, that's it. They don't necessarily need to know what the results of Fallout are. They don't need to know the world and general society because they like there's a chance that they've only ever been to one location within the heart. Mm. That's where they've lived their whole lives, mm. or they've just come in from the, from Spire anyway. In fact, it's probably a much better experience to have them like looking at the heart with this with like, with, with this with wide-eyed wonder. Mm, because even if, character. even if they're well traveled, mm. the heart is mutable. Mm. So they don't need to know all these locations because they may have never even heard of them before. Mm. Um, and we wanted to separate that out so that we had this chunk of rules and you could just absorb this if you wanted to get more, more into the system. Mm, this all came from the quick start, actually. This is Mary who put this together. Yeah, absolutely um, amazing work, like organising yeah. and making this readable by humans that weren't Grant and I. Yeah. Um, and putting it in in order and doing various things. So like so like there is once you get into the rhythms of running the resi- running the resistance system, it's fairly easy, and you sort of you, you pick up and you get into it. But it's not it's not necessarily um, as it's not it's not intuitive if you've just run D and D before or honestly story games. There's like there's a few extra steps in there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a halfway house between story games and more rulesy games. Did we discuss difficulty? Earlier in the podcast, I don't think we did. Honestly, I think we we touched on it, but I don't think we talked mm. about it in detail. Because difficulty is something which we really struggle with in games. Yeah, uh, it's right up there with defense in that we don't know how to do it. But difficulty in games is challenging because you get it's it's often not very interesting. It's, it's often demoralizing as well. Yeah, and the assuming that you have not abstracted out every single part of your of, of your interaction with the fiction so like something in say wushu where you simply have a number that you erode and the fiction sits on top of that um, there is a simple there isn't there is generally an easier way and a more difficult way of solving every problem and the especially like in a dungeon crawling situation and so the players kind of have this task of going and finding the best way to do the thing by communicating with the GM. And it's this weird sort of back and forth. Because you yeah. want them to you want, them, want it to be difficult, but not so difficult it fails, but not so easy that it's just a walk in the park. 
And one of the things that we've we've tried to stress in all of our games, and I'm not sure we've ever quite managed to word it perfectly, mm. is how you're not necessarily if you if you look at a monster or an adversary or whatever, and it looks impossible to kill. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's impossible to kill without a story attached to it. Mm. The iconic one for this is is ghosts, mm. uh, who are nigh impossible to kill unless you have something specific that is related to the, their story. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can you can mess with the difficulty of the game, mm. um, because a dangerous action where you're removing your two highest results mm. is so painful. Yeah, uh, I think. That's 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 something, something which I wanted to touch on with difficulty is we made it horrible, mm-hmm. intentionally like a lot worse than it needed to be. Yeah, uh, because when we were running at a spot, and apologies if we're repeating ourselves. Sorry, we've been recording this over a several month period whilst other things have occurred. Inspire, you take the dice out before the player rolls the check, and it, I don't really feel anything when I do that, mm-hmm. and neither does the player. It just feels like oh. Whereas if you roll your dice and you like, and, and and then you take that ten off them, yes, it's great. It's cruel. It's horrible. And I, I, we've seen a few complaints about it actually, mm-hmm. um, on various discords. And like, if it doesn't work for you, you can do it the old way, and that's fine. Honestly, like the game isn't isn't masterfully balanced to the point where that will break it. But we really like this because it's horrible. It, it, it makes difficulty bite. It also it's, means it's visceral. Like there are ways to get around it, and that's kind of like high level play of heart. As it well, high level play of heart is you go mad and die, but you do it explosively <laughs> rather yeah. than uh, pathetically, or both, I suppose. But the main way which which you'll which you'll bypass difficulty if you don't have a deep apiarist in the party is getting getting decent equipment. Yeah, getting decent equipment, or finding a weakness, mm. or anything like try and convince your DM like. Mm. Just just having a sword is not going to lower a difficulty. Mm. But having the sword that this this monster that was once a man killed his brother with, mm. that's probably worth knocking the difficulty down one, huh? I should have mentioned that in the book somewhere, I guess. Yeah, like this is the thing. We, as is why yeah. I said, we, we communicate it. <laughs> in every book we've ever done it, which is all of them, mm. we, don't, we haven't been able to communicate it correctly. We've tried time and time again. I think I think like there's there's an element of like hey don't take the piss though, yeah because yes, yeah. because like there's 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 reading a rule reading a rule book as a um as a means of telling a story and a means of like sharing this group thing, and a mean and, and a rule book as a as a as a challenge for players to overcome, so like at that point it's, it's like the players are like well okay well I guess we have to go and get some we guess we have to go and get some narratively important things, yeah it would be it every single combat yeah. right. Uh, it's like, like, we, don't want, we don't want it to be a chore, but we also don't want it to be completely irrelevant. And it's quite hard to hit that balance in the description. Yeah, like, what you're meant to do is you're meant to... Uh, sorry, in my head, this is rather than necessarily the rules as written, is go up against a, a, a horror, horrific heart's blood creature. And like, yeah, it's risky, we could probably handle this. But then you go up against one and it's dangerous. Like, that's the time a player should be thinking of running away. Mm. Of fleeing. And maybe coming back when they're better prepared, or they've got a trap for it, or something like that. Like you don't have to throw yourself into dangerous, like slamming mm. it into a wall. You yeah. can leave. You can you can change the fight to be in your favour. Mm. Like if it's if it's falling down a pit, like that that's probably worth knocking it down to risky, mm. rather than you trying to stab it. Mm. 
we the other thing we did is we we changed we scaled all the dice up by one step, and I know we have talked about this. Yes, we have. Yeah. Uh, we pushed like we pushed the base damage up one dice size, which gave us more room to play out the side. The way in which Fallout was cleared, uh, the, 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 the way in which the system works, presumably you know this by now, but uh, you roll a dice, uh, the GM rolls a dice, and if, if they score under your total Fallout, you, you, you under your total stress, you take Fallout. Yeah. Uh, and so stress, rather than being, say, hit points, uh, it's more like a bad luck. It's, 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 how, it's, it's misfortune. And that moves from abstract to concrete when you take Fallout. In Spire, depending on how much stress you had, in the total stress that determined what grade of fallout you got mm. and then you subtracted it was like a three five or seven stress in total when you took that fallout which was mechanically fine it just was quite hard to remember so we tried to in in this that's the thing i, want, I also want to stress this spy still works really well oh yeah um spy tells lovely stories and i'm really proud of it um and heart tells different stories and that's the key, right? Like, it's this is a different story. This is why we changed it. But I, I, I'd also say that, like, there's there's two and a half, three years of game design experience. Yeah. Going on top of that, and using the same system, we were like, okay, we want to tweak it so these things are streamlined, where you're not doing so much about these, where you're it's a focus on self reliance, I think, rather than like like Spire, which has a lot more in terms of relying on the city. Mm-hmm. Um, being part of the city, but we've changed it so if you you can only take a major fallout if you have six or more stress, but you roll the dice and if the dice is equal to or lesser than your fallout, uh, it's a d12. If it's equal to or less than your fallout, you take uh, you in your stress you take fallout, but if it's seven or higher and it's under your fallout, you take major fallout. Yeah, uh, you can also upgrade fallouts by plugging them together, but that is much easier to remember. And it does it in a like you, you you roll the dice and then you see what they've earned, as it were, without having to consult them. Yes, yeah, it's a lot easier, a lot easier to track. Certainly, mm. Fallout is very much. In fact, we, we might as well just go onto the Fallout bit. I think. Should we talk about? Uh, like, we talk about resistance protection as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the next section is combat. Okay. There's, so there's success and failure, healing and combat. In terms of resistance protection, we used to have uh, basically you had a load of different flavors of hit points. Inspire. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you have a load of, you have a load of different flavors of damage reduction, which means there's slightly it means it's harder to balance, but there's slightly less bookkeeping involved yes. in it, which 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 I which I which I'm fine with, and I think that like it's not possible without some pretty clever manipulation to cover all of your bases. The GM could like you can always find a way to hurt you. Yeah, exactly. And it, it what we did is we shifted the the bookkeeping to other other places. Mm. Like, you've got things like delves to deal with now. Mm. So other places need, needed to have the load lightened mm. so that you, you didn't have as much processing power taken up by them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, like, there's, there's there's some streamlining. I think that I've, I've, been, I've done a lot of critical thinking about the resistance system and how it works. There was a period, here, here's a little fun fact for you, uh, game fans, when I was in when 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 we were all in America coming back from Gen Con, and I was like, Chris, what if we took out all the numbers? Mm-hmm. And Chris had to sit me down very gently and be like, Grub, you've already written most of the game. Please don't make me do this. Please, please, please don't do this. So you may well see in a future a version of the resistance system which takes out the dice rolling. Um, aside from success and failure, I might just like I might just like, do do it on my own my own terms, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We've got healing combat. I can't think of anything interesting to say about healing. <laughs> well it happens there's something very important to say about healing what's that 
which is that it's now done at haunts. Yes. Which is a completely new system. So a haunt is a location at uh, a landmark, at a town, something like that. It could be a, a spring in the wilderness, whatever. Um, that lets you remove stress equal to the dice size of a resource you spend there. So if this is a bar, you can trade in gold. You can pay for drinks and get back some, some mind, whatever. Mm. Um, if it's an abandoned shrine that's upside down in a tower, you're probably going to be using somebody's heart for a ritual, mm. however it is. Um, but it can remove stress and it can downgrade fallouts. Mm. Um, and that's a really big part of the economy of heart. Yeah, very much so. You should be searching for and picking up resources, not just for to like power your vermicine plate, mm. but also every resource you have is a potential healing spell. Mm. It's currency. It's gold, right? It's mm. what keeps your party going. Mm. So there are ways to get back uh, to clear stress with abilities, but they quite often cost stress to do so. Mm. So all you're really doing is moving, is, is shuffling things about the board. Yeah, like you can, you can theoretically heal yourself infinitely. Yeah, you can't get Absolutely. rid of Fallout yourself, but you can roll Mend plus Domain to patch yourself up. And um, if you don't have any equipment, you remove D4 stress from blood. But it's risky, and it's and, which means it's more likely to j- just to go wrong and cause you more problems. Yeah, and like great, and a haunt is a hundred percent. Yeah, there's no there's no chance of failure. It, it just happens. Mm. And a lot of rules in the game are about getting to haunts, mm. basically. Like, the Delve rules get you to plot and stuff, but also they get you somewhere that lets you heal. We added in what happens if a Delve goes terribly wrong and you need to go back. That's added because, mainly because of haunts. Mm. Because you need to go back and heal because you, you, you done fucked up. Mending in this way arose out of the Delve check. Uh, the dog mm-hmm. skills because we're initially like back we talked about when we did the Vermissian night uh we used to have you have a series of, of events which happen and you have to pass that many events and it felt quite inorganic it felt quite staged yeah and then we were like okay well we've already got the system for reducing baddies to resistance zero what if the delve has a resistance and then sort of started talking through that and started working out what the most interesting thing was and then treating everything like a like having resistance as the currency which goes in and out of the players and in and out of delves and in and out of monsters made a lot more sense to that yeah. which also meant that we could have mend equipment and delve equipment and delve and, equipment so yeah. we have rules for torches rules for medicine bags which aren't which which do something specific rather than oh they give you they give you an extra dice on your mend skill or what have you and this like this was this was missing from spire i think and yes, so and, and like it didn't really matter so much because like you could hide yeah, you can lay low. You can wait, and like, but... and like, you can't really do that in heart if you're in the middle of a delve. Like, it's much more that is much less in the way of safety. You can lock yourself into something, right? Yeah, you can. So next up, we have the combat chapter, which is page seventy-eight. Um, I recommend if you want to know about combat, you read page seventy-eight. That's all of it. That's it. There's not a lot there. We have we have an Abbott and Costello reference. <laughs> Two in the bottom left. Who's on first? Oh, okay, yes. But yeah, we're like basically what what we did. So the combat section it just uses the same rules as everything else. Yeah, it does. That's why it's not long. The only the only things it adds is something about initiative, range, and outnumbering. That's it. We just clear stuff up, really. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think like the rule here is outnumbering. 
Yes. And everything else, everything else is like, yeah, go on. Do whatever. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's the same. It's just the same as, it's the same as arguing with someone. On you go. Because the like Chris and I fucking love combat in games if it's good. And a lot of the abilities which we give people focus on combat, because that's a sort of exciting, dynamic, deadly part of the game. But we didn't want a bunch of additional rules to have, oh, if you push someone, this is how far you push them. We we don't need, as I saw in a tactical game a couple of days ago, to know the difference between climbing over something and vaulting something. Whoa. I know. Like, I don't need that. That's, too, that's too granular. And especially in a game like this. Like, it makes more sense in that game because it's it's a more yeah. rules, rules-based game, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, it's much more tactical. Like, it's, it's battle mappy. Whereas here, you don't need this. You don't need that layer of complexity. Here's a little tip for you players. I don't know whether we mentioned this in skills. You can you can use any skill you want in combat as long as the GM's easy going enough. Yeah. If you want if you want to try and um, you want to try and kill someone with sneak. All right. Yeah, like other skills commonly used in combat: hunt, evade, yeah. compel, mend, discern, sneak, endure. And yeah. Kill. You can also kill them. Yeah. You don't have to use kill to kill, as we've said before. Kill is about being able to choke somebody out and being proficient in that. Yeah. Like you can definitely use compel to try and scare people away. If you are the assassin type, sneak plus a domain is what you would use to try and assassinate somebody. Mm-hmm. It's, you do um, not need kill. One of the things which I've sort of learned as a as a, as I grow as a game designer, is like you have to trust the GM to make a load of shit up because they yeah. will. Absolutely. I don't think I've ever run a game rules as written. Not even ones that I've written the rules for. <laughs> that's very true right because because what they are it's like it's a it's it's a it's a list of suggestions for entertainment that can that, that can be used in in an agreed upon way but the gm is the is the filter which they go through and i can't like we can't write we can't write a game which covers every single opportunity because it would be really dry and if we wanted to make it abstract enough that you could make it cover every single opportunity without being really dry it would be really boring so we like we always try to hit this middle ground in our in our big games, well, in all of our games, really. Exactly. Yeah. Should we pause before we go into Fallout? So, dance, dance, we're falling apart at half time. That's right, it's Fallout. Boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. Fallout's quite a big bit of this book. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily mean in page count, but it's quite long. But it's it's a, it's a huge and important part of the game. Yeah, I would have liked some more art, actually. For, yeah, for like the rest of the art cost us enough, Grant. That's true. And also it's an important reference section, so you kind of want as little stuff in the way as possible. Yes, um, this is not the complete list of Fallout. You will find Fallout in extra products, uh, like specific Fallout for certain angels, what they can do, mm. that sort of stuff. Uh, Fallout is meant... All of the Fallout entries are meant to be guidelines. You can just make stuff up. That's fine. Mm. I encourage you to. But we wanted to include as many as we could without it getting out of hand. Like We could have largely just kept writing loads and loads of Fallouts, but it, mm. wouldn't, it would have ceased to become useful. Um, if you think of something that's really specifically awful to happen to somebody, go with that. Uh, there's, there's someone on the Discord had this really good idea for Fallouts. Mm-hmm. So they run on Roll20. They've typed up all of the all of the Fallouts 
onto cards, breaking mm-hmm. copyright laws. But fine, we'll sue, we'll, <laughs> Just we'll, I'll sue them later. Throwing legal matters to the wind. But what they do is when a when a player takes a fallout result, uh, they draw two and give them to the players and like, which one do you want? Oh, that's quite nice. I like that. Do we get lost or do we attract enemies? Which 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 do I want from here? And that's that's a really nice way of handling it. I think like the great thing about Fallout for me is it's the it's kind of the inverse of crits. I don't mean like critical misses. I mean how people get excited when they when they roll a critical hit. People get excited when they take Fallout. Yeah, it's such a big moment, and also in a lot of cases, like it just throws the story into a new gear. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them aren't hugely problematic. Like spitting teeth from blood. Any action that requires you to speak or look respectable is risky. You could probably get away with that. You can have that on your character from session one to the end of the campaign. Mm. And it's not actually that much of a problem. Just continually teeth rolling out of your mouth. Oh, oh I mean, like an ivory river. That's quite that's quite hard actually to have them, have them like, no, I thought I would, I would have run out of teeth by now. But just you keep finding fractured teeth in your mouth. There's like you know, the, the rows start growing in like sharks. <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's like it's like a fucking Tuckney Falls in there. I guess that's the upgrade, right? Like at minor, it's it's just like you you broke you shattered a load of teeth. Yeah. At major, you keep getting teeth that fall out. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the fly out at velocity. You can spit them with the force that you would be able to spit a tooth. Mm. Okay, not much velocity. No. We have one of the things which we've tried to do is stop uh, fallouts giving you stress. There are a couple in there. And that's mostly because they're funny. Yes. I don't know whether bleeding is funny. But the idea of t- of, of taking a fallout which gives you stress kind of feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy, as it were. You yeah. don't... Well, that's, that's not the right word. A feedback loop? I, I don't yeah, like no, it. I know what you it, mean. It, it, doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good. So we tried to have. Um, we tried to have it as as more like right now. This is happening. This is a new problem for you to deal with. And some of them are like especially around the minors. They're really minor. Like one of them is you're tired. Mm, you get a bit sleepy. You get a bit sleepy, and that like, your minus one dice on some skills. That, 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 it basically means you're not operating at your top capacity. Which I think is a more interesting way of doing hit points than you have forty. And then the first 39 is immaterial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we tried to write as many as we could without overloading it. Yeah, and it also some of them uh, do cause stress, but not to you. Mm, those ones I love. That's hilarious as hell. Uh, for instance, in my one of my playtests, I had somebody use the adventure? I can't remember. One of the calling abilities that shifts... Um, forced. Forced, that shifts the stress you would take to somebody else. Mm. So they shifted the stress on somebody else who immediately took collateral magic as the minor fallout. Mm. Um, a minor fall, the collateral magic, the minor fallout, uh, casts immediately casts etheric scourge on a nearby ally, <laughs> uh, which causes d6 to them. Mm. So there's this little chain that ends in the Vermissian sage who shifts it all to echo. It charges their armor mm. at the time of the playtest and then goes nova. <laughs> and immediately kills the problem. So you've got this arc of electricity and bad luck resonating within the party, and then it just blows up. Mm. And it can do things like that's what I love about Fallout. It can do things like that. It can do weird little things. 
Mm. Like you can pick up something um, as simple as vulnerable where you can't use your mind protection. But then immediately above vulnerable in the book is take the edge off. You've, you've got to get a drink or intoxicants. You've got to render yourself insensible. <laughs> render yourself insensible. Roll two dice when you mark stress to mind and pick the higher. Mm. That's a, not only a story because you've got you know the threat of addiction in the face mm. of, of horror. Um, and it can be upgraded to addict. But also that's, that's punishing mm. to certain uh, classes. Mm. Like if you put that on a cleaver, they're probably fine. Yeah, junk majors. Yeah, it's gonna get bad quick. Mm. Yeah, Echo was fun to write for. Echo, say. we could just kind of go a bit weird, and it's where Ravening Call found a home. Yeah, it, the, the, the 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 Ravening Beast uh, is 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 a is a character from it's a it's a monster from the Unbound game, which we released about five years ago now. Yeah, which is basically a hand of Tindalos. Because that's the best Cthulhu Mythos monster. In in that it, it like it hides in your mind it hides it hides in your ego i suppose mm-hmm. and then teleports out and murders people and that uh, it's so powerful that it's stuck between books <laughs> but echo is a place where we can put all the weird stuff so supplies fortune blood and mind are all kind of kind of what you'd expect yeah and then echo lets us get surreal with it so not only is it like the mutations and things or like or like coughing up a load of spiders or your, your vision blurs and stutters as, as, as like you can't understand reality. Or congratulations, now you only you can only eat used clothing. <laughs> there is a there is a trail of fallouts uh, which starts with follower and goes up to you being executed for being a false messiah. Mm-hmm. And Echo is very much around like this. This is a story. This is a game, and you're a protagonist in it. But yes. you don't. But like you, your character doesn't want this. To occur, but you as a player kind of wants this to occur. In fact, let's talk about critical follows. Yeah, because well, that's, that's the thing. So, like in inspire severe fallout, like the like the highest level one is death. Yes, uh, death or a big a big change to your character or something along those lines, and that's true for critical fallout here too. But we very much tried to have it as uh, one. We've got more of an emphasis on combining and upgrading fallouts. In fact, the only way you can get critical fallout is to combine two majors. Yes. So you can't get one shotted. It's impossible because that's not really that's not like I'm not gonna say that's not a story we, we want to tell. I, that, that's fine in some games. It just doesn't suit this one. Yeah. But with critical fallout, we wanted people to kind of get excited about their character going wrong. Mm-hmm. It's quite a good pitch, I think, in that this is the end of your character. Let's say, for example, despite your best efforts, you're elected leader of a haven. Maybe you defend it from attack, and the people think you've got what it takes to run the place. You don't. You have the capacity to do one useful thing with the haven's resources before you're assassinated by your rivals. The haven is overrun, and the fact you are a patsy all along is revealed, and you're hung out to dry. And <laughs> like that's that's like a session or two. Oh yeah, it shouldn't it, you should never just sort of read that to your players and go, so you became leader of a haven, and then you died. No, this is this is how you go out, right? Yeah. Like that. In some cases, they're almost they're close to power of Zenith beats, um, Zenith powers. Yeah. Not so with the ravening, the end of the ravening call chain, where your body hatches with a wet red noise and a ravening beast emerges from you, skinless and steaming with heat, hungry for food. You die. This is how they breed. I do say wet red a lot, don't I? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's pretty neat. 
it's pretty cool and I'm, I'm happy with the critical fall it's like they're a real draw I think to players uh, or GMs as well like reading through and imagine like, god imagine that happening imagine that imagine that occurring to me as I try to as, as I try and get through and it's a it's a, it's a sort of a, it's the malevolent version of high level powers yeah um, and I think that my favourite out of all of the the critical fallouts is one place from Fortune what's that you accidentally take a fatal blow mint for someone else. They are unharmed. You die. <laughs> like, what? I, that was that was aimed at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Shitty luck, buddy. That's pleasing. Right. That's everything you need to know about Fallout. Let's move on. Resources and equipment. We're going straight to the source, the resource, for the resources and equipment chapter. That's quite good. Please turn to page 90 of your textbooks. You will find, I love the drawing what Felix Mjol did, but you will also find the rules for resources, which are... Uh, vague? <laughs> At best. At best. And they do power the game. A little bit, Just the yes. other thing about them. Um, they're, they're what we have instead of currency. Because currency is always pretty boring when it comes up in a role-playing game. I've never, I've never been excited just to have some money. Yeah, and in your dungeons, your dragons. Either or. Gold is just a means to an end, right? It's just mm. this enormous resource that you generally are carrying like 30 kilos of mm-hmm. to get a better sword. If you can find a place that sells you magic swords, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's all it does. Yeah. It just takes up space and time. So we kind of wanted something that was a bit more bartery. Mm. Because nothing nobody down here is gonna take money. Like who's well, okay. who's guaranteeing that money? Like there are like we do have currency and stuff and like coins and pouches and various things, but Yeah, but I, not... I feel it's off it's off the value of what it is rather than necessarily like mm. useful in and of itself. That's fair. It just, I think it, it, it made it a bit more interesting. <clears throat> it also meant that having a defined method of resource uh, ac- acquisition gave us something interesting to give to players uh, like in exchange for a mission. You could send them off and get them, get them to go and do something. Uh, and this would mean that rather than doing it for 30 gold pieces, you're doing it for uh, a D8 uh, resource with the uh, divine tag. So it's like, oh, it's a bunch of saints bones. Brilliant. Probably not real saints bones, but real enough counts um the the resources we so we, we went we went through a lot of different variants of what the what the hell resources would be it all started off back when we had a hunter character mm-hmm. so we had yeah. the uh dick bag hunter was the was the official <laughs> name i believe that was the placeholder you played a colonialist elf he was down here for uh for house grindle from spire and we like I wanted to come up with some ideas for what's the word? Alchemy or apothecaries or mixing things together, like like taking resources from the wilderness and then making them into in, into potions and lotions and various other things. 
and we had this huge raft of tags which didn't really work very well and it meant like we we ended up excluding more than we included so we dialed it back and like every pretty much every single rules challenge we've had we simply used the existing rules and put domains on them it does mean that you have some challenges for example what a desolate resource is i mean technically a desolate resource can be anything from a desolate place I like to think of it as very bad potatoes. Or just sand. Mm. It's just some but sand. But like nice sand. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's mm. pretty sweet sand, but, you know. Mm. Yeah, it can be a bit difficult. But, mm. I mean, there's a billion different fictional gods that you can just have a, a symbol of. Mm. And you can call that desolate rather than the specific religion if nobody's going to know what it is. Because the god's dead. Yeah, uh, we've also like we also we ended up with some resource tags as well, which are just fluff. We generally don't do tags that are just fluff. We moved, we've moved away from that, but it seemed like it would really slow the game down if you had to learn what the tags were on your wallet, on your money. Yeah, yeah, to and, play the game. And as, as it says in the in the resource tags thing, like if somebody suffers fortune fallout while holding one of these, it's a real good opportunity to just make the resource itself like flare up. Especially things like uh, deteriorating and harmful. Mm. It'll give off some horrid arcane aura. Mm. And then your fingernails fall out. <laughs> but by far the best of the resource tags is mobile. Oh, it, just, it gets, gets, up and, gets up and moves around. It just leaves. We gave that to some healing mints, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's, some, there's some healing mints in the Sanctum rulebook. You sort of put the mints on. I think, what's it called? The, the, the Mother of Flesh? The Mother yeah. of Meat? Yeah, and it's it's mobile, so it'll get up and crawl around unless you keep an eye on it. <laughs> Which is just gorgeous. For like, your, your dollars will just wander out the door. Mm. Let's let's talk about equipment. Well, okay. This is on page one nine two again. Lovely drawing by Felix. And equipment, as, as we mentioned in the last episode on difficulty, equipment's kind of how you overcome difficulty. It's the it's the catch all way of overcoming mm. difficulty. Um, some classes can do it. Deep Apiarist especially. But if you don't have a deep apiarist, or you want everybody to overcome difficulty, equipment's your way. It's hard to write interesting equipment when you have rules that are so, what's the word, abstract? Yeah, let's use abstract rather than vague. Yeah, 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 I like, I, I like abstract. Or how about vague core? You just put <laughs> core after it and it sounds intentional. Yeah, it's very true. So one of the things which I really liked when I was younger is getting a big book of guns. Especially, uh, there's a book from uh, the Dark Heresy Inquisitor's Handbook, which is clearly just all the extra guff they couldn't fit in the core book, uh, and some extra stuff, and they put they put out as a softback. And it's mainly a list of guns and armor and swords and what have you, by uh, which which define a location in the game world. Uh, so it isn't it, it isn't just a an an auto, an, an auto gun. It's a it's a Calaxis pattern uh, long range target interdiction device Mark Three. Yeah, and it's got a little a, like a, a couple of things, a, a, a couple of paragraphs of fluff, and then you've got you've got like range, and you've got rate of fire, and armor penetration, and ammo, and all these different things. That's not what we have. No, we have we have a dice that tells you how much it kill. And really, there's only about two of those dice we can pick from. <laughs> yeah, without it getting a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Anything lower than D6 is the same as unarmed. Anything higher than D8, we have a problem. So we have to operate around with tags and stuff. But generally, I think we wanted to make it more more in that the characters break the rules of the game rather than their guns do something interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, because if you if you have the guns doing something too complex, mm. it takes over the role of character. If the weapon's more powerful than the power you've got as a blood witch, mm. then why are you a blood witch necessarily? That's the the classic problem with fighters in Dungeons and Dragons as well, in that like you you just become a vessel for your magic items. Yeah. And not in a cool, oh, who's the real master sort of way, just in a boring way. No, you're just a trolley to get mm. those weapons into combat. <laughs> we also took armor out of the game. Yeah, I was going to talk about this at length because... Please talk about it. Because there's no armor, and like you'd think there'd be armor, right? Yeah. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You'd absolutely think there'd be armor. I, I, when we were doing it, armor became too powerful. Uh, mm. It essentially, because we're looking at damage reduction as a, as the method of uh, protecting yourself, essentially, yeah, rather protection than extra hit points. It just made it so that armor was first a necessity, and then boosted that protection up to such high levels mm. that only angels could punch you. Mm. So we we just got annoyed with it, honestly, and dropped it. <laughs> I think the the challenge with armor comes that it's again we've got a very abstract system, mm-hmm. and so if, if 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 we had a system which had a lot more representation of physical elements, then we could have cool. Okay, this slows you. This reduces your accuracy. This uh, this makes you louder. Uh, this is expensive. You know, if we had a load more things, then we could we could put like negatives on uh, on on armor. But generally, everyone wears the same armor in military terms and it's the best armor their country can afford yeah broadly and sorry you know what that's not strictly true not everyone in the in, in, in the army wears all the same thing but everyone in the same squad wears pretty similar armor you know mm-hmm. yeah and it becomes an expectation i think it, it, it's quite it's quite boring because what you should be doing is spending like it, it, under that rule set spend the right amount of money to get the best possible set of armor for you and then forget about it yes Absolutely, and we figured that I think it was it come from a game I was writing. Um, oh, what was it? Cell sword, uh, sorcerer, priest, or something? Uh, it's yeah, a, I can't remember what it was called, but yes, another game. Yes, it's an OSR game. I was, I was, I, I, t- I took my hand at, and the understanding was that um, you have an armor save, or you, you you have you have your armor class, and that's that comes from your it comes from your class, and it's assumed you're in armor, and if if for any reason you are out of armor. Then you take double damage. Yeah, which makes so much more sense because it just it just writes in what everybody knows straight into the basic rules. It's, it's that's the weird thing as well. Like like Dungeons and Dragons has all these rules for putting on and taking off armor. I don't think anybody's ever used them, but yes, it does. No, like like everyone just uses their full AC. Mm-hmm. You know, and like sure, it would be interesting to have the goblins maybe I don't know put they just come and piss all over your armor when you're asleep, <laughs> and now and now you can't put it on because it's covered in rancid goblin piss. <laughs> and they attack you the next day. I guess they probably could have killed you when you were asleep. Yeah. Point is, point is, we like we shifted the default up, and I think that that works much better for a game with this level of abstraction. But it does mean that there's kind of a you can you can say you have as much armor as you like. I don't care. Yeah, and in some cases, you'll notice that the character powers mm. are armor. Yeah. So when they gain blood protection, in some cases, that is them getting a nice steel hat. Mm. Or reinforcing the the train they wear on their chest, or something like that. It's it's more that you are special and unique because of X, 
rather than you had the foresight to buy a metal t-shirt i think it's more uh you have the the, a protection of this grade is equivalent to an advance in your class is equivalent to an to increase in skill in terms of game mechanics and normally you can go out and buy protection in most games but we've decided just to have that just to 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 get rid of that Mm. and i mean there is to get around but there is the block tag Yes, you can get plus one. Which will give you plus one. Mm. And it makes sense with the rules as you sort of casually look at them that this just goes on any any item that's got a kill, a delve, or a mend. Mm. But you can just put this on literally a jacket and give that to a player if you want. Mm. And all it is is leather jacket with tag block. I, I like it on a shield. I get it on a shield, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't have to put it on a sword that gives you block or a gun. No. You can have gun, an item... A gun that gives you block. That'd be quite cool. You can have an item that's just just a tag or mm. just tags. Yes, you can. I don't, we, we don't say that. <laughs> it turns out. I mean, we do say that. Armor. We say armor of good, good or excellent quality. It can be purchased yes. like any other item, blah, 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 blah. The reasons for us not not putting a full shopping list are twofold. One, the heart is a strange and elaborate place, and we've deliberately put a lot of uh, player and GM control into the game, where they make up the setting themselves. So the more we start defining about it and saying, hey, here's the things you can buy from a shop, and here's how much they cost, the, the, the more doors we close. And secondly, it's hard. It is. It's also boring. It is, but there's a weapons table at the back. Weapons tables are quite good fun, but coming up with costs for shit? Oh. And, and, like, does this telescope cost more than this backpack? Or oh. less than this rope? Yeah. Like, extreme yawn. It's Whatever. Just, I don't care. Like, yes, mm. you've got a, you've got a better backpack than him. Whatever. Whatever. Take, take, take supplies. Uh, soak at that point if you've got a really good backpack. If your backpack's that important to you, we have mechanics for it. Yeah, just give them soak. It's fine. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. Like, well, we don't have um, equipment which provides echo protection, for example. Or mind protection. No, um, that would be but... Magne- um, Professor X's helmet? The one Possibly? that stops Magneto going into his head? Maybe that's mind? Well, the thing is... The thing is, if you're just buying uh, plus one to mind... You can say it's equipment. You can say you found Professor X's helmet. That's very Why true. Yeah, you I, can well, reskin I mean, anything it's only, it's only plus one else. Maybe it's just like a tin can. Like a, sorry, like a frying pan or something. Just like one of those plastic ice cream tubs. <laughs> a really big one. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Equipment quality. Yeah. This shit's confusing. Is it? Generally, yeah. I think. I think that it's that it's. I really like the idea of getting better equipment. And mm-hmm. I really like the idea of, of, of like starting off with sort of bargain basement shit, and then and you get up to better stuff. Uh, but it's not hugely reflected in the game. I we think, don't use those rules a lot. I think this is yeah. This is equipment quality is one of the things that a lot of people kind of gloss over. Yeah, and it's one of the most more powerful rules in the game. Absolutely. Um, because when you start off with with gear, it's just it just does what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. It's just those tags. It's just that dice. That's fine. But good quality, one up, can reduce risky to standard. Mm. That's huge. It's massive. And then you take excellent, and you can drop anything down to standard. Listen, listen. 
when, when you're playing heart. I'm gonna presume. I'm gonna presume you're running heart. What's a good? Well, I'll see. If you're listening to this, I've got to presume that you're a GM. I mean, the, the, the odds, the odds are fair. What I want you to do is have an NPC turn up with some good equipment, <laughs> and like, and like, like episode one, have them turn up with some, like, like a baddie they're fighting has has some good equipment, and they they get shot and die, and then the players get to pick it up, and you're like, oh yeah, this is better, and just give them a bit to play with. Don't forget, you can have good on a set of lock picks. You can have good unreliable if you want. Mm. You can have the good quality gear that isn't mm. combat based that is specific task i mean if you really want to you can have a good ladder mm-hmm. and what that means is that any any checks you're doing that involve climbing and traversal reduce the difficulty by one what is do you example do you imagine a renowned ladder a renowned ladder yeah but it's like a named ladder i i only ima- i can only imagine it as the sort of the sort of ladder that George Stobart pulls out of his trousers in point-and-click games like Broken Sword. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I've got a ladder here, just pulling that out of my trousers and plonk. Mary, Mary Poppins is out of his trousers. Yeah, okay, that's nice. Gives you, it gives you a benefit on stealth checks. Yeah. But yeah, Renowned Gear is, is amazing because it gives you it gives a you knack. An extra dose. Yeah. And it's the home of the Yalabrunt Rifle. Yeah, wh- why, where did you get the name Yalabrunt from? Because it doesn't seem to match the rest of the game. Uh, it's a it's a corruption of a destiny weapon. Oh right, I there's see. a there's a there's a rocket launcher in that called the Alahorn. Right, uh, which is all like Norse and, and lion, weirdly themed. Um, and I always liked Yala as a prefix. I guess start yeah. of the word. Yeah, prefix. I think prefix works. Um, so that got the Yalabont rifle. Mm. Which, is, you, which has been illustrated. It has. It's, it's up in the picture at the start of the it's chapter. It's an M1. I think, well, I think perhaps we should no, talk a little bit about guns in this. Go on. Because there's an awful lot of discussion, and indeed argument, about the relative tech level of guns <laughs> in, in Spartan, Spartan Hire. Heart and Spire. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, just, just, just stop. Okay, yeah. We don't know. We don't get guns. We're English. It's just post World War One, basically. Yeah, like, that's about it. That's about it. Like we don't know. It, yeah, it's black powder and it's also cartridges. Yeah, and it's also crank handle machine guns. Yeah, it's breech loading. It's also uh, muzzle loading. There's also like not to mention the the, the electric guns and, and ones that are just a tube with a worm in the end, and you give him a marble and he spits it out. Like harpoons. Yep. Big on harpoons. There's there's a bunch of crap in here. I think I think the tech level in heart is much looser because we are we get to come unhitched from reality easier. So like the Vermissian knight in their suit of of, um, of of trained power armor is seen as an oddity. Yeah, and also in Inspire the the graph is flatter, um, and I will explain that. Yeah, <laughs> because that's that's how it is in my head across the world. People share technology and they share ideas. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a degree of all of the world's technology everywhere. Mm-hmm. In heart, there's spikes in the graph. Some mm. people have a lot higher technology than people who other than people next to them who have much lower, because mm. person A has been to a fracture, right? Yeah, and brought back something that just doesn't exist here and never has. <laughs> And yeah. so it's all over the place. 
um, you've got a lot more freedom to just go, no, no, I reckon that works. Yeah, that's fine mm. in heart. Um, but yeah, like the reason I bring it up is because it's indicative of people asking us very specific questions mm. about a setting where we go, pretty much in the in the books, we don't know. We're not sure. Make it up. Please make it up. Yeah. And also, don't ask me any technical questions about guns. Like, I fired a shotgun once and was terrified. That's it. I think my I think my favorite bit is when like like some people might turn up on the Discord and say, "Oh, is this X or Y?" But someone will be like, they'll, they'll say, "Oh, I've had an idea. Could X Y?" Like, of fucking course it could. Yes, it's your yes, game. It you are free to do as you wish. Yeah. So yeah, make it up is the thing. Like obviously, the players are going to. Okay, we, 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 we give it a we give it a lot of this and I'm making a talking motion with my hand. <laughs> we give it a lot of this about about how loose our canon is and that's all for us all this very funny joke. But it does mean that your players end up having to sort of guess mm-hmm. yeah, a lot does. of stuff. It pushes you into much more of a collaborative uh, space with your players, which I think can t- can turn some GMs and some players off, which I respect. Not enough to write a game where I don't do it. <laughs> There's a base level of respect. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, understand, if not respect. It's very much a game where you've got to remind players of how much control they have mm. um, and how much say they have in the setting. Like you, The players have a chance to go, actually, I think this is a thing. Um, and this was very obvious in Inspire in a way because you had very narrative creation things built into the classes early. Mm. Uh, in the Night of the North docks, yes, I know a bar around here. It is called mm-hmm. this, and this is the landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the sort of mutable nature of the heart, that's less true. But mm. there's still creation stuff in there, and it's it's worth reminding people, especially with regards to tech level um, and... Mm. As we talked about armor, like reskinning things, mm-hmm. huge amounts of control. Yeah. Now, Grant. Yeah. The next section here is one I'd like you to explain to me in full, which is buying okay. and selling. Mm. Mm-hmm. A fascinating part of any game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had to put it in. We had to have buying and selling. Like uh, fans of Spire will also notice that we really, 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 um, what's the word? <sighs> Gave up there as well. It's so boring. I'm sorry. It's really boring buying stuff. Like there are there are very few grand dramas about buying stuff. Like, like if, you, if you're looking at a heist, you've got your fixer who goes out and gets stuff, and yeah. they just turn up with it. Yeah. Unless it's a drug deal or an arms deal, I don't care. Yeah. And even then, you've already agreed on the price. And like all I'm interested in is what you need to do to get the money. But all that's doing is slowing down the main game. As mm-hmm. it were, so we just treat it as any other role. Like what's at risk is your money, and what's uh, and what you have to gain is the thing. So uh, much. So let's, let's let's say for example, um, you're trying to uh, sneak into a place without being uh, without being seen. So you, you'd be taking fortune stress, and you'd be rolling stealth plus domain to get in. And on a on a failure, you, you get hit with stress. On a success, you get into the place. And with this, it's like, I would like to buy a gun. And it's going to cost a variable amount of money. Like, because every, like, I think it helps uh, that hearts just everyone's playing Calvin Ball with prices down here. Like, it doesn't, like, we'd have to say, oh, well, it was 15 gold in the last town, so it should be 15 gold here. Mm. It's, 
what we, I think what, what we're getting towards is like you're not going to be making rolls to buy even stuff like supplies. Like if you're doing that, like that that that's you directly healing supply stress um, by by accessing somewhere with supplies uh, with a supplies horn. Like you don't need to go through the rigmarole of buying and selling and rolling dice for that. However, if you want to try and save money, or if you want to try and get something that's interesting or dangerous, that's when the dice come out. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the same as like you don't roll to make someone buy a beer. Yeah, it's all about if 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 it's a if it's a dangerous deal. Mm. If the GM thinks the seller's going to try and screw you, mm-hmm. then make a roll mm. because failure means you still buy the item. But you buy it at extreme prices. Or, or you take that stress somewhere else. Or you take that stress somewhere else, yeah. You can get fortune stress for upsetting someone or for, like, or for like causing a scene in the haven. You can get mind stress because you're stressed out that you don't have the money now. Or body, you get in a scuffle and you run with it. Yeah, like it's an, it's an, like talk, talk to the player about what they're putting on the line before that happens. And yeah, just like for, the, for most of it, don't make them roll. It's not interesting. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be making people roll to get, to get Snickers. Yeah. Um, I'd also like this page ninety eight is uh is, is is bonds and that's kind of the the last bit before we get into before we just sort of get into the actual setting of the book mm-hmm. aside from a little bit on exploration which we've already talked about and the main thing the main reason bonds are here is because they were inspired yes absolutely that is that is the main reason we wanted we wanted some way of making friends in the heart and having that having that be represented. Uh, in terms of uh, in, ter- in terms of a mechanical benefit, uh, and so what, what we've done is just made them is made them into a sort of abusive relationship, where you offload stress onto your bonds. Thanks, Delta Green. Yeah, thanks, Delta Green. It also contains the best piece of art in the game, which is so lovely. It's great. It's the kindest representation of an elf here. Well, ever Kitty's seen. wearing them goggles. They've got a little. They've got wooden armor with the V on it. Oh, it's so good. It's brilliant. I love that. Uh, but yeah, um, rules is written. The Evermissian Knight is putting mind stress on that kid. <laughs> yep. And Just, I think, uh, I think that's, but, but he's putting mind stress on me by honestly leaving that door open. Yeah. Born in a barn. It's ridiculous. So yes, um, bonds are there. Bonds are fine. Like I will say, like inspire. They weren't. The, the 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 way that bonds interacted with characters there in terms of lending mastery wasn't hugely interesting. We had them like we've got the optional rule for bond actions down here. And every time I read that headline, it sounds like James Bond actions. <laughs> but uh, like you can, in fact, actually, if 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 you want the shortest possible version of the resistance system, it's in a box out on page ninety eight called bond actions. Yeah. That is, that is just the resistance system, which we've sort of taken every possible edge off and said, yeah, well, okay, like it, it, you, you're you're between one and three good at something. Roll a dice. Very simple, very to the point. Technically mm-hmm. works. Yeah, but like it's not that's not the focus of the game. Inspire had a bit more on that because it was more about acquisition of bonds, and it was such a freaking dangerous game. And and also that... inspire inspire like you're often in the same place. Yeah. Very much so. Um, and the original uh, idea for Heart, though we changed slightly in Sanctum, was that you're constantly moving. Mm. You're constantly going along a very long route. And thus having a bond that's four havens away mm. is useless. 
Yeah, it is rather. Like it's redundant. Like you're like there's a, there's a high chance you're literally never going back there. Mm, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't die at the end of your journey, what what are you doing? Exactly, you've you've very much done it wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. There's quite a big bit on Dells which I haven't really talked about yet. So let's let's cut this here <laughs> and then move on to the next part. Okay. been listening to the director's commentary podcast for Heart, The City Beneath. I was Grant Howitt, and I was joined by Christopher Taylor, and we wrote the Heart RPG. For more information on Heart, and our other titles, go to rrdgames.com. Music